I'd actually like to start with a little bit of a prayer. You know, these days, I mention this usually every Advent, these days are filled with such um, extra stuff uh, that we don't maybe get as much time for silence as, as we could. So let's just begin with just a moment of silence and a prayer. Lord, we praise you and thank you for your goodness and your love. We ask for your grace, whatever grace you want to give to us during this time. We pray above all, Jesus, that you would open our eyes, that you would allow us to see the world, to see our lives, the way that we live our lives, to see them all the way that you see them, that we can share your vision. We pray that you'd open our ears to hear the gospel to hear what you have to say to us. Jesus, above all, give us your peace during this time and these days in this place. Give us your peace that just sinks its roots deep into our souls, into our hearts, a peace that doesn't make sense. Pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So just a little disclaimer, this, this homily might be a little challenging for, for some of you. You probably think just about every homily I preach is challenging, so I get that. But there, there, are some, um, there are some topics, I think, in our lives that can be a little bit more sensitive. And the moment that they're brought up um, and challenged, then it's like there's a, there, could be, there could be a sensitive reaction. I, I, I don't know um, that it'll be universal. It's just that it's possible that it would happen. So I want to put that disclaimer there. And I'm aware that I know, I'm aware that it's that it's possible. Um, and in fact, even as I like was preparing this homily, I just sort of like this morning, I was like, gosh, do I have to challenge everything? And um, and yet I, I couldn't help but but notice that John the Baptist in our gospel passage, he does this kind of thing. What what happens? So he's he's preaching. He says, I am the voice of one. What is that one doing? He is crying out in the desert, make straight the way of the Lord. So John the Baptist is sent with a mission. It's not so much that I like, I'm like John the Baptist, look how, look how great I am. It's, it's that John saw something going on. He saw people who were the people of God, and they were, they, they were living their life differently than what God wanted them to live. And so he, he saw a need to challenge them on that. He, and, and the people that he was preaching to were well-intentioned people. And we know this because when he preached the message of repentance, what happens? They repent. There were, there were well-meaning people that perhaps had just been misled. And so John saw this and he's like, well, I want to bring you back to this. And, and so he called them back and they came. They acknowledged their sins. They were baptized by him uh, for the forgiveness of their sins, this incredible thing. Uh, and this is, this is kind of the way that I see it too, um, that that I don't think there's very many people, like very, very few people in our world are, are not well-intentioned. Very, very few people have truly evil intentions. They just like to cause a problem because they like to cause problems. There's very few people. I, th I think most people, even if they're not living the way that they ought to live, most people have good intentions. Uh, but I think what, what happened is some of us, maybe, maybe a lot of us, have been led astray. Uh, you've heard me talk about this, that, that there's uh, a good amount of confusion in the leadership of the church. And we're actually going to talk about that at length in uh, January and in February. Um, and I think that maybe what could happen is that sometimes some priests came along and maybe misled people or 
they just didn't call people when they saw them straying. So they didn't call them back. So now uh, what, what can happen, I think, is, is maybe a call, a challenge, yes, but a, a call to, to right the ship, to come back to where the Lord wants. And this is so much of what Advent is all about, is, is this like taking time to prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus, who's going to judge us. And he's going to judge us not according to our own standards, according to what we think is right, but he's going to judge us according to his standards and what he tells us is right. He says, if you are my friends, you will keep my commandments. And so he's going to, he's going to judge us according to those, those kinds of things. And so Advent is a, is a time for us to prepare. Yes, of course, to prepare for the celebration of Christmas, but more than anything, it's a time for us to prepare for the judgment of Jesus, which of course implies that Maybe sometimes we have to purify ourselves. Maybe sometimes we have to turn away from our sins. This is why it's pretty common for people to go to confession, especially during the season of Advent. Uh, it, and, and not just to, to turn away from our sins, but then to pursue a life of holiness, a life of virtue that is focused on and centered on the Lord Jesus, uh, the Father and the Holy Spirit. To, to live that kind of life, that's like what Advent is all about. Now, this particular Sunday that we celebrate, is called Gaudete Sunday. And so why, why, do we, why do we call it a specific Sunday when we don't call any of the other Sundays specific? We don't give them titles. Why do we call this one Gaudete Sunday? Why do we wear different color vestments, these rose vestments and light the, the rose candle? Like what's that all about? So the idea here is that if I'm purifying my life, if I'm uh, turning away from my sins, if I'm pursuing a life of virtue and holiness, that that can sometimes be difficult and challenging, right? Because it's hard for us to change our behavior. It's hard for us to actually have to acknowledge, like, I'm, I'm a sinful man. It's hard for me to acknowledge that. And, and so that's like hard work, ultimately, to, to purify my life, to prepare for the coming of the Lord. And so to do this, theoretically anyway, over the course of these four weeks, it's, it's like, well, that, that can be a little draining. So what we do is about the halfway point of Advent, the third Sunday, which if you, have, if you have four full weeks of Advent, then the third Sunday is, is about the halfway point. This year, as it turns out, Christmas is on a Monday. So it's like, we're only a week away from Christmas ultimately. But, but anyway, the idea is that, you know, like these four purple candles, they're a darker color. And so we light a rose colored candle and we wear rose colored vestments to what? To lighten the mood, to, to lighten the load a little bit, to basically take a moment and say, hey, we've been at work for two weeks preparing ourselves, uh, repenting, purifying, pursuing virtue, all these things. Now let's, let's take a break and rejoice in God. This word gaudete, it's a Latin word that means rejoice. The church is calling us to have something of a festive um, flavor to our mass today because at least if, if we're doing it according to what the church has in mind, we've been spending this time purifying ourselves and we see that there's still some more time to go for us to purify ourselves. So we want to rejoice. In fact, the, our, um, our antiphon, so you maybe know this, if you ever come to Mass when there's not music, whether it's a Sunday Mass or a weekday Mass and there's not music, we have these, this sort of one or two or three lines from Scripture at the beginning. It's called an antiphon, where, where the, the priest or maybe the congregation will recite this antiphon together, which is something of like a theme for the Mass. So our entrance antiphon for the third Sunday of Advent is rejoice in the Lord always. I, again, I say rejoice. Indeed, the Lord is near. So this idea of, of Paul, what he says is to do this, like it's like a command in so many ways. Gaudete, he says. And so we, we want to rejoice. But this, this is where things get 
may be a little uncomfortable because for a person who's been doing what Advent is meant to do for us, which is examination and purification and repentance of sins, for that person, it's, it's truly a cause for rejoicing. Maybe because I've been to confession, or maybe because I've, I've turned away from a particular sin that I struggle with, or maybe because I'm actually growing in holiness, in, in purity of mind and heart, that kind of thing. And so it's like truly a moment worth rejoicing in. But if I'm not living Advent the way the church and, and Jesus wants me to live Advent, then the call to rejoice isn't actually a call to rejoice. The call remains the same, which is repent. Like this, this is the thing that if I'm, not, if I'm not living Advent the way the church wants me to live it, then, then I have to ask the question, what is it that causes me to rejoice? What is it that, that brings me joy and happiness and, and gladness and, and comfort and pleasure? What is that? Because clearly I'm not willing to listen to the call to repent. And so therefore clearly it's not the Lord that I delight in, but maybe it's something else. And I, like I said, this is where things can get a little bit tricky because, because I have to sort of be honest with myself of like, do I really rejoice in the Lord always? We, and we heard this in our first reading. I, I rejoice heartily in the Lord. In my God is the joy of my soul, right? So there's this sense of like, okay, part of, part of Advent is like, I gotta, I gotta take a minute and just reflect deeply about what is it that my soul rejoices in? What is it that my heart gets glad about? And unfortunately for, for many of us, and, and sometimes this can be the case for me, I know this to be the case, that sometimes I find that my heart gets more glad about something else other than about God. I, I find that my heart is looking forward more to some other thing than I look forward to coming to Mass, for example. And in my moment of honesty, then it's like, the call to rejoice in the Lord is an uncomfortable call because I don't really want to in those moments. I'm not interested in rejoicing in the Lord. And, and I bring this up not because I want to just talk about myself. I bring this up because I know that, that my experience is not an isolated experience. I know that for so many of us, we're either not living Advent the way the church calls us to live it, and we'll talk about that in a minute, or if we're honest, we don't really rejoice in the Lord and His commands but we rejoice in whatever we want to rejoice in. We, we rejoice in, in whatever makes me feel best about myself. And that's, that's not what the church calls us to. Now, this, this thing about living Advent the way that it is. So listen again to our prayer that we prayed at the beginning of Mass. O God, who see how your people faithfully await the feast of the Lord's Nativity. God sees how his people faithfully await the feast of the Lord's nativity. What, what I think about this is like, so again, this, this may or may not apply to you, but when I look at the, the world, the culture at large, which is going to include Catholic Christians, it's going to include non-Catholic Christians, it's going to include non-Christians. But when I look at the culture at large, I, I hear this prayer, I prayed this prayer, and I just laugh because it's like, Lord, you see how we're faithfully awaiting the feast. It's like, what do we do as a culture during the entire month of December? We don't wait for anything. What do we do this entire month is we're already feasting. We're not looking to purify ourselves at large. We're not looking to repent of our sins in any real way. Now, I know that individually some of us are doing that, and, and that's the Lord rejoices in that. But again, to look at this from like a bigger picture perspective, like the world that we live in, 
And that includes a lot of Catholic Christians. The world that we live in, it's not a, it's not a world that likes to wait for anything. Above all, we don't, we don't wait for the feast days of the Lord, but instead we just like go out and grab them before really the Lord wants us to. And that's a big problem because it means that I'm skipping over this entire phase that the church calls me to. I'm skipping over this entire thing that really the Lord calls me to. And, and if I do that, well, then that means I'm allowing something else to take the prime spot in my heart that brings me joy and gladness, which also means that I'm going to allow other things than what God would want me to allow. I'm going to allow other things to steal my joy. Right? For, we, we all know people, uh, children especially, but, but we all know people that if they don't get the gift that they want for Christmas, that's going to steal their joy. When in fact, the only thing that should really steal our joy is like mortal sin, for example. Sin that separates me from the Lord's love. That's the only thing. We all know people who, who if, they, if they make a mistake in making their Christmas meal, what happens? That's going to steal their joy and it's going to ruin their entire celebration of the holy day of God. When in fact, the only thing that should steal our joy is mortal sin, is, is separation from God. Right? We all know people who have those kinds of things. It's like they allow these lesser things to steal their joy. Why? Because their primary source of joy is not in the Lord. And that's difficult. It's difficult for me. Sometimes I have to acknowledge this. Like, why am I allowing this thing to steal my joy when, when in fact I'm, I'm in a state of God's grace? And so I don't need to let this thing steal my joy, to steal my peace. But instead, in the midst of suffering, I can do what Paul calls me to, which is to rejoice always. In all circumstances, even when I don't get what I want for Christmas, even when I mess up the Christmas meal, even when I have broken relationships in my life, in all circumstances, I can give thanks because I'm in a relationship with God. And that relationship is in a state of grace as it is. Which again, is like provided I do what the church calls me to do, which is to repent of my sins, to purify myself, to pursue a life of virtue and holiness. So what I, what I think, I think the church is calling us to this. And this last week, I mean, it has been, we've been called to this for the last couple of weeks, but maybe especially this week, we can, we can pause and just take a step back and sort of recalibrate ourselves if we haven't already done so. To take a step back and just simply ask the question, where do I find the greatest happiness, the greatest joy? And if it's anywhere other than like here, for example, then, then that's a big invitation from the Lord for me or for you to, to pause and just say, what's going on? How is it that I've allowed my joy to fade away or to become attached to something else? To maybe take this week before Christmas and just really seek purification, repentance of sins if I need to, uh, a growth, in, a real growth in holiness and virtue, spending maybe some extra time in silence, just praying and asking the Lord to take over. This last little story here, I think, I think it's, it's a really helpful thing. So every year at Christmas, um, after masses are over, I, there's a family that I, I know really well, and I usually see them twice a year, and one of those times is at Christmas. I go and I celebrate with them, and they've got a bunch of kids and grandkids and all this stuff, and it's really great. One year at Christmas, a couple of years ago, I was with them, and we were standing around their fire outside, because it was, you know, decent weather. And the grandma got all of the grandkids together and had them all sit down. And she, she, she busted out her Bible and she opened it up to Luke chapter two, the nativity story where, where Jesus is born and you know, all this stuff. And she read it. And when she did that, she, when she was done, she said, you guys, all the presents, all the gifts that you got, 
as great as those things are, they are nothing compared to what Jesus Christ can offer you. They're nothing compared to the glory that is promised for those who are faithful to the Lord. And I could tell that she had done this kind of thing before because her grandkids, like they immediately started talking about like, oh yeah, like this is gonna be great. And this one little boy, I'll never forget, this one little boy, he's like four or five. He just like got all excited. He's just like, I wanna see Jesus so bad. I wanna see Jesus so bad. And I was just like, oh man, this childlike faith. What if that was our sole desire as we lived our lives? What if that was our sole desire, our one desire day in and day out is just like, I wanna see Jesus so bad. I don't care if everything else in my life is going well or if it's falling apart. I want to see Jesus so bad. And I'm willing to wait for it. I'm willing to look for him and to seek him out. And if I do this, it's going to, ca- it's going to cause me to do what? It's going to cause me to find my joy in him and in him alone. And that's what this Sunday is all about. Rejoicing in the Lord. And I say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice.